Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to How to Date, a show about how to master the messy, complex, and downright bizarre world of dating when you really didn't think you'd be back here again. I'm your host, Dr. Amantha Imba. I'm a psychologist, I'm one year out of my marriage, I'm a mum, and I'm immersed in the world of online dating. Hi, I'm also your host, Monique Robin. I'm a mum of four kids and a yoga teacher trying to find men who like me rather than my limber joints. So, Amantha, tell me what's on the show for today. I'm very excited about today's guest. We have Dr. Chloe, who is a psychologist from New York who specializes in dating and relationships. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry I missed that one. I was teaching a 6 a.m. yoga class while you were interviewing in New York at 6 a.m. That's right. It was a bad scheduling choice, but Dr. Chloe is in demand. So we had to go with the 6 a.m. Melbourne time slot and I flew solo, which was totally fine. So, Monique, how was your week in dating? Oh, I knew you were going to ask me that. (laughs) (laughs) I have to say this week it was actually a little bit traumatising. Really? So you know how I was telling you, Amantha, that I haven't really been having much luck even getting that many men into my pipeline. Yeah, I know. And because we talk every day on the phone and I feel like whenever I ask you, how's your pipeline going? There's not, there's not much going on. I got this really, really nice looking and decent sounding guy in my pipeline. So I really made a concerted effort to get the dialogue and the interactions happening quite quickly. And within four or five exchanges on Bumble, we moved to WhatsApp. And then we realised that we live really close together. So we decided, and he was really good looking, he sounded nice, we'll meet for a socially distanced walk. So it went really quickly. Anyway, I'm going to call this guy projectionist. (laughs) (laughs) Projectionist and I embark on our walk just incidentally away from my house, away from safety, he turns to me and he asks me, so why did you and your ex-husband break up? And let's just say it all went downhill from there. I said, very amicable breakup. You know, even if it wasn't, you kind of don't want a person you've barely met to know that, right, Amantha? You agree? No, you're definitely not revealing that. Like I've had dates where on the first date I'll say, so how did you and your ex break up? And they'll say, it was very amicable. We're on really good terms. By date four, yeah. they're telling me the horrors of what happened. They're at each other's throats yeah. causing physical injury. Yeah, yeah. Completely acrimonious. Yeah, I agree. So I, I'm not needing to go into where mine really is at. I went for that fence sitting thing. But I did reveal one thing. I said my ex-husband was a really amazing guy and I just wasn't happy. So I left a really good guy and it took a lot of courage 
To which he turned around and said, I kid you not, why the F do women do that to men? What? And I said. So he's yelling this at you. Yelling, looked at me, stopped and said, why the F do women do this to men? And I said, well, I don't think this is the common reason. And he goes, bullshit. If it's not, women find an excuse for this to happen. He started talking about. My husband and I going, I bet your husband went to work every day and thought that he was make, providing for the family. And then the languaging started happening where it became about him. I know that I worked super hard for my wife. Every day I went to work thinking that I was doing the right thing, supporting my family. I'm not joking. I honestly thought he was going to hit me. He got so escalated and so angry, by which stage I had not said a word. And I <laughs> honestly, and we're sta- and I, there were, you know how for some reason in lockdown there seems to be more people out and about walking for some reason because they only get an hour out of the cage. So so honestly, there were, were were people watching this, thinking we were two people having a domestic, and in a way, I was kind of trying to make eye contact with them, like as if to say, "Yes, we are having a domestic. Please intervene." And anyway, he said to me, "What do you think the guy's doing when he's at work every day? He's working his butt off for the purpose of the family. Do you realise that's what your husband was doing?" I, I mean, at that stage, he didn't even know if my husband had a job or not. You know? <laughs> wow. And I thought, you are projecting onto me so unfairly. And if I wasn't on a walk with him, I would have, you know, if we were just on Zoom, I would have hung up on him. It was so abusive. So what did you do? How do you, like, get yourself out of that situation quickly? Well, I said, just stop for a moment, please. Your tenor is really, really making me feel uncomfortable and actually at risk. Could you please stop projecting, which was a really triggering thing for me to say. And he went, excuse me, what do you mean by that? And I said, you've obviously had a similar experience and without wanting to go into your experience, please don't project whatever emotions that experience brought up on in you onto me. And he said, you have no idea what my ex-wife did to me. You have no idea. And it just started a whole different trajectory of abuse. And in my head, I could not help but think, I'm so glad for that woman getting out of that relationship. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, so I had to say to him, I feel really, really terrible that I've brought this up to you. We clearly wouldn't be bringing the best out in each other. Do you mind if we end this walk and maybe we can calm down and... I didn't even want to say, look, you're out, buddy, because I was scared he'd, like, physically abuse me. Yeah. And he's like, fine, but you should really take a good look at yourself because you'll never, ever be happy. You'll never find a relationship. Honestly, I got home and I'm, like, thinking to myself, oh, my God, that was such a close call because he seemed so normal but I triggered him and he started projecting his shit onto me. Wow. Yeah. That is nuts. I'm constantly surprised by how much some guys will reveal in that first, like, lengthy Zoom call or socially distant walk. That kind of blows my mind. Yeah, and can you imagine 
having such a trivial, light-hearted exchange and then realising that you live really close to each other. So before you even find out about someone, you're then willing to go on a walk with them and then you get it face-to-face, that earful. And, yeah, I feel like it's kind of changing online dating is kind of changing the order in which people choose to reveal things and sometimes there's just too much too soon that's wow that's way too much but also you could look at on on the flip side and go well you've dodged a bullet imagine if that stuff came out six months down the track or a year down the track yeah, I know. I was thinking about it afterwards and I, I was thinking what could have I said that would have perhaps delayed him revealing that side of him? And I was thinking if I had have maybe said, oh, you know, we just mutually agreed to end the marriage, then he might have felt like that empowered men so therefore it didn't trigger him. And then when would have I found out Mm-hmm. that he was like that. So thank God I guess I revealed a little bit more than I perhaps should have. So, yeah, I was lucky. Oh, my goodness. How was your week? Well, it wasn't as traumatic as yours. <laughs> so I went, I also went on a socially distant walk. So this is a guy we'd we'd had two quite long Zoom dates, uh, about, about an hour and a half each. So we'd clocked up about three hours of talking We'd actually been on one socially distant walk and I feel like we we can call him good on paper because that's exactly what he was. He was, you know, very senior in a big organisation, very intelligent, clearly very kind and just a decent human being. And then the first time we went on a socially distant walk, I feel like it's quite hard because you're wearing a mask and you might kind of flash your face quickly just so you can see what the other person looks like. And I remember I spoke to you after that first socially distant walk. I was like, he's like a lovely guy um, and attractive enough, but I just don't know if there's a spark. Like there wasn't any. Yeah, I remember that conversation. Yeah, there wasn't any flirtiness. And I'm not quite sure how you flirt if you're wearing a mask and you're trying to keep 1.5 1.5 meters away from each other so i thought i'll give it another go yeah because you know how we've discussed amantha that with you unlike me you can sometimes start to become attracted like it doesn't with me it's usually first sight yet yeah, or no you can some something can happen where you kind of start to think oh yeah maybe yeah so, yeah good on you yeah so i went on this second socially distant walk during the week and yeah, and I thought, oh, it could go either way, and it, it went the way of the nose back. There was Oh, no, why? What did he do? Do you think there was anything you can pinpoint that actually made you realise no? I don't know. He was tired. He was definitely tired. Uh, and I think when someone's tired, they're just flat. It was, like, it was just a bit flat. And the conversation, it just felt a bit flat forced I think and something I've noticed that some guys are doing is they're complaining about their COVID bod COVID (laughs) body and he was doing that he'd done that a few times in our catch-ups and there was like there was nothing I mean I've only seen him with clothes on but like he was fine he was like an average build no obvious like yeah he doesn't need to draw attention to the fact that he's unhappy with his body yeah, but then because he's talking about it so much and clearly feeling self-conscious about his body, I'm kind of wondering, 
I think there's like two kinds of people. You're either COVID fit or COVID fat. And I don't don't think it's like you are actually that, but that's your mentality. Like first lockdown, I was COVID fit, crazy. And then I got that hip injury, remember? Yeah. And, And I'm just thinking about this guy's comments. This lockdown, I feel like I'm more COVID fat. And even though the scales don't say that, so when I'm with guys, because I'm not exercising as much and stuff like that because of my injury, I have to admit, and I'm going to think about this now, I am like, yeah, like I'm a bit like eating a bit too much, not exercising so much, could feel myself getting a bit flabby. And I think it's like a really difficult thing to contend with if you're, you you seem to be sort of taking on that mindset during COVID and it is an extreme one, you're either fit or fat. That's so true. There's no in-between, but I think if you're COVID fat, just don't talk about it because it's it's really unappealing. And I think if you've only seen the person with clothes on, your mind's going to think the Give worst. Give the guy a break. You don't understand what it's like to be COVID fat. <laughs> uh, anyway, it did get me thinking, Can like can can there be a spark when you're going on socially distant walks wearing masks? Well, It's actually funny you say that. Remember I told you, and it didn't end up being a socially distanced walk, but remember just briefly I told you about that guy that I found his photos very attractive and we decided to go on a socially distant shop together at our local supermarket because he also lived really close to me and he had his mask on and I realised I really didn't like his eyes. (laughs) So I wasn't attracted to him because that's the feature that stood out. And then when I got back home, I looked at his photos again and I thought, oh, he looks good. I reckon he would have had a chance if I didn't get to see just his eyes first. Interesting. Yeah. So really this whole dating with mask wearing thing is really advantageous if you've got beautiful eyes. Yes. If your eyes are your strong feature, a socially distanced walk. You can have like hideously deformed nose and mouth. Yeah. It doesn't matter. How good is it for dating if you're not happy with your nose and mouth? So good. I remember when I went to meet this guy, I put on lipstick and I was running late because I couldn't find the shade I wanted to wear. Then I get in the car and I'm like, oh, God, I've got to put the mask on anyway. (laughs) Such an idiot. And I'm talking to him and I can feel my lips sticking to the mask. (laughs) And then I'm thinking, I hope I don't have to have take my mask off because my lips are probably smudging all over the... Yeah, funny. Uh, COVID, right? COVID. So that was our week in dating. Our guest on today's show is Dr. Chloe Carmichael. Chloe is a New York-based clinical psychologist who specialises in dating and relationships. Chloe has been featured on ABC Nightline, The New York Times, Forbes, Vanity Fair, Shape, Cosmopolitan, Rolling Stone, and a whole bunch of other media. She is also the author of The Ten Commandments of Dating and is a wealth of information on dating and relationships. So let's head on over to Chloe. Chloe, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be with you. Now, I want to start with your book, The Ten Commandments of Dating. And I want to know, can you share a few of these with listeners? Um, And maybe if we start with some of the least obvious ones. 
Absolutely. So one that I think people usually enjoy learning about, although, of course, I think they enjoy them all, but one of the most popular ones is actually rule number nine, control your mind. And so rule number nine, control your mind, is about the idea that when you have a really good date with someone and maybe you have a really amazing kiss or just an incredible moment, What many people do is they replay that moment over and over and over in their head because it was just so much fun. And it's almost like they relive it for like a couple days after the date. And rule number nine, control your mind is telling people actually not to do that because it's tricking your brain into thinking that you've had more frequent episodes of contact with that person than you actually have. And so in your mind, it's like you've had a hundred kisses with that person and you've spent, you know, you've seen them a hundred times and that starts increasing your feeling that you trust the person, that you have a relationship with the person, all these things that are actually not true and that can confuse you and make you feel over-invested and committed before you really should. So that's why, although it seems harmless to just sit there kind of reliving some of your best moments with your new crush, I actually tell people to control their mind and not do that. Oh my God. I can so relate to that. I have had so many imaginary conversations with people that never, ever happened. Um, How do you stop the daydreaming? Like what what are the tricks that you're encouraging your clients to use? Well, that's a great question because it's almost like that old saying, don't think about pink elephants. And then, you know, it just makes (laughs) you think about pink elephants, right? So, you know, to just say, well, don't think about that amazing kiss. (laughs) Uh, It's hard to just not do that. So I would say that rule number five, remember to strive, which is basically about saying that when you meet someone really great, you should actually continue to date other people. Um, So that's one way that you can uh, follow rule number nine to keep yourself a little bit busy so that you're not just focused completely on that one person so that you're actually out there doing other things and talking with other people. Certainly you can listen to uh, the Dr. Chloe's Ten Commandments of Dating audiobook. That's like one good way to what I, I call hijack your internal monologue to make sure that you, you don't just allow your mind to just wander around and focus on whatever it wants to focus on. That's almost like letting your body just wander around and fill itself up with Twinkies, right? So we have to be careful about what we feed into our minds. And so one good way to control your mind is, you know, to make sure that you're, you know, you can play audiobooks of of inspiring self-improvement stuff or, you know, listen to good podcasts like this one or, you know, talk to some friends or get out get out of the house and get a change of scene. So almost just finding other things for your mind to do other than let it wander on um, wander around on your on your date or your crush. Yeah, just mentally continuing to relive and replay those moments. It's just really etching those neural pathways in deeper and deeper. And then you're just really starting to associate that person as as a positive object, what we call in psychology, before they've really earned that title yet. So we just want to make sure whatever you do, you're not just mentally replaying your best moments with that person. Mm, okay. I love that piece of advice. And and so you said, you know, maybe 
date other people. How how many people should we be dating at the one time so we don't fall into the trap of fixating on one positive object, let's say? Yeah. So you're getting into rule number two, numbers for you, (laughs) which is, you know, how many people should you be dating? It's a good question. Um, And the answer is, is that it's going to depend a little bit on your dating goals. So, you know, if you're 22 and you have no stress or pressure about, you know, when you'll get married, you might say, you know, maybe one date a week is fine for you. Um, On the other hand, for me personally, when I was, you know, 35 and single, I would old, I would often date like two, two people a day. Like I would just feel like, why don't I just make the most of my blowout and my makeup (laughs) and my dry clean dress and everything else. And I would meet one person, you know, for like a 6 p.m. drink state And then I would meet another person, you know, for like an 8 p.m. dinner date um, because I needed to be going on a lot of dates. I I kind of compare it to like, how picky are you? And I'm pretty picky. And so since I knew that I needed to therefore be going out with a lot of people so that I could make sure I was going to find the person I really liked who would also really like me back and that we were also both of us in the same readiness for the same type of relationship, which for me was a, you know, future oriented relationship that would be leading to marriage. And so all of that is a pretty tall order. And if you want it to happen sooner rather than later, then you kind of have to be dating, in my opinion, a lot of people. Okay. Interesting. And like with exclusivity, because I imagine that there are a lot of listeners kind of trying to navigate, like I think with online dating. So Monique and I, we've both been out of our marriages for about a year and the dating world is so different in our early 40s compared to what it was in our 20s when we were last dating. And I feel like back in our 20s, you know, back like 15, 20 years ago, exclusivity was was kind of assumed you'd meet someone at a bar and, you know, because you're not at bars every night, meeting lots of people as opposed to on the app swiping every night as a lot of people do, I feel like exclusivity is not assumed until a little while down the track. So what, at what point, like, should we be asking for it? Is it ever assumed? Like, what's your advice around that? Yeah, I would never assume exclusivity. And I also would be careful about jumping into exclusivity too soon. For me, when I was dating and I, I encourage clients to, you know, kind of think about some of the same process is women oftentimes say like, well, I, if, I, if I'm going to have sex, you know, then I feel like we should be exclusive and I can completely understand that. I just want to say, um, but then at the same time, the same women would feel nervous because they'd be like, well, yeah, but I don't want to be the one to ask for exclusivity because they wanted the man to be the one to ask for exclusivity. And so they would get really focused on figuring out like how to get him to ask for exclusivity. Um, And one way to do that, obviously, is that, you know, when he's trying to have sex with you, (laughs) that you can say, you know, hey, I, you know, attracted to you too, you know, but um, I tend to, you know, pretty much have like one sexual partner, you know, and then the man, of course, is like, yeah, yeah, great, me too, let's do it. And then they're like, okay, bam, now we're exclusive. But the problem is, is that you don't know really 
why he wants to be exclusive. Um, is it because he likes having a monogamous sexual relationship? Is it because it's convenient for him that he doesn't have to worry about Saturday night dates? I always say that it's also important to learn why he wants to be exclusive. I wouldn't give your exclusivity to someone until he's made the case as to, you know, again, why? Is it going to be like going steady in high school? Or is it because he sees a future-oriented relationship with you and it's kind of like a pre-step, you know, towards intimacy and, and, you know, eventually engagement, if those indeed are even the things that you want. But either way, I would encourage people to not become exclusive until they understand whether the person actually has the same relationship goals. And sometimes women are like, well, you know, I'm afraid I'm going to look desperate if I say that, you know, I don't, I want to know if he's interested in marriage and things. And I'd rather that he was driving that conversation. And I can totally understand that. And so I would encourage women to think about it in a way that seems more discriminating than desperate, which is that you, it's actually you're the person that's hesitating and saying, oh, okay, um, well, I don't usually have sex unless I'm in an exclusive relationship. And then the man says, oh, okay, great. Well, let's be exclusive. And then you say, oh, really? Well, I don't really usually become exclusive until, you know, I understand, you know, why? Like, what's what's the reason for exclusivity? Like, you know, what what are your goals? Like, why would I just take myself out of the dating world to be exclusive when I don't, you know, really understand why, like, I'm flattered that you feel that way. I'm attracted to you too. Um, but I feel like we're still kind of just getting to know each other. And so I'd like to learn more and understand more about that before I would agree to being exclusive. And so that way, you know, you're finding out more and you're having high standards for your exclusivity, but you're also actually not chasing him or appearing desperate. Yeah, I like that way of navigating it because I feel like that could be a really awkward conversation if one person wants exclusivity and the other is just not ready for it. Like how do you do that without completely killing whatever is there between you? Well, see, the beauty of it is is that um, when, you, when you find out that the other person does not want exclusivity, the good news is is that that should actually help to kind of make them less desirable to you. Because part of what you presumably wanted about being exclusive with the person is because you thought you had found someone that was on the same track as you and wanting what you want and valuing you. And that felt desirable. And so you wanted to be exclusive. I don't mean you personally, but just in the example. But then when you, if, if they say, well, actually, I'm not there yet, I think you're really nice, but I'm dating other people, then that's fine. I, I would encourage the person to respond by saying, okay, great. Yeah, no problem. You do that, you know, and I'm going to keep doing that too. And then just in your mind, you, to take the sting out of feeling rejected by the person, you can remind yourself that actually, you know, maybe they're not really quite as desirable as you thought, because presumably the person that is really desirable to you is also going to be pursuing you, that that's an attractive quality. And I guess in that situation where one person wants exclusivity and the other is saying, well, not yet. I mean, have you seen many situations where the person that doesn't want exclusivity 
comes around or is it just a point where maybe you should be thinking, I'm going to cut my losses because if it was going to happen, it was going to happen? Yeah, usually the times that I've seen the person who doesn't want the exclusivity, the the way that they come around is usually when the other person says, okay, sure, no problem. I'm going to just continue dating other people because a lot of times what that person who says, I don't really want the exclusivity yet, a lot of times what they really mean is, I want to keep you in a one-down position where you're going to be wanting to be exclusive with me, but I'm going to say I'm not ready yet. And you can just keep chasing me and I'll feel really secure knowing that you're just here waiting for me. <laughs> and so then as soon as the other person says, uh, yeah, not really, um, I'll keep dating you because it's fun and we're having fun. And you know, if you need more time, no problem. But I'm just going to also keep dating other people too. And then that usually puts a fire under the other person to be like, okay, wait a minute. Um, I, I think maybe I actually really do uh, want to be with this person. And if they don't have that wake up moment, then that's great. You still made the right choice because you definitely don't want to sit there on the shelf for someone that's not even coming around. Definitely. I feel like it changes up the power dynamic. And I, and I feel like that, that is, um, yes, yeah, quite, quite a factor in this, um, type of conversation. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Um, I want to know, you've written about uh, successful career women not running their dating life like a boardroom. I, when I read that, I could relate to that. Monique would, if she was here, she would probably be making fun of me being one of those classic uh, career women types. Can you talk about what you mean by that and what, what people like me are meant to do instead? Yeah, sure. I mean, so, and I'll say I'm, I'm, I can be one of those, you know, women as well myself, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty high powered woman myself, you know, um, so it's nothing at all against women, you know, that, that have that tendency. Um, but, and, and there's nothing wrong at all anyway, if the woman does just want to run her dating life, like a boardroom, there's nothing wrong with that. But the reason, you know, that, that I was looking at that and talking about it is because, there are many women who are like you and me, very successful and strong in the business world. But then for me, I actually don't want to be the leader in the relationship. Many women, myself included, actually really like it when a man is a little bit more traditional, kind of calls the shots in the sense of saying, I'm going to pursue you. I'm going to take you to dinner. Are you free on Saturday night? I'll pick you up at eight o'clock. I'm going to make the wedding proposal. I'm not going to make you drag me down the aisle. They they want a man that's going to be leading in that regard. And that's the only time when their old habit of running things like they do everywhere else in their life begins to be counterproductive and backfire for them because they actually aren't giving the man room to do 
what they want him to do. So I just want to say again, if, if, if there's a woman who's like, no, I'm an alpha female and I like to be the alpha female in my relationship, I am the alpha. Fine. No problem. I'm not here to say anything at all wrong with that. But I just mean that sometimes there are women who are like, I'm an alpha everywhere in my life, but I'm actually looking for an alpha man to, you know, lead the relationship. And so for those women, sometimes they have to learn how to kind of hold back a little bit and give the man room to lead. So for example, the same women might come into my office on a Tuesday and say, well, I want to have a date on Saturday night with this new guy, Joe, um, and I want him to ask me for the date. But I'm getting frustrated because he has a habit of asking me on Thursdays and it doesn't really give me enough time to plan. And so I want to let him know that if he wants to go out with me on Saturday night, he's going to have to ask me now. And so I'm thinking I'm going to, you know, start um, kind of nudging him to do that. And again, there's nothing wrong with that if these women, you know, ultimately want to do that. But what they end up saying kind of at the end of the day is that they they don't like feeling like they kind of directed it and like they orchestrated it and like they're kind of calling those shots. They actually want him to do it. And I'm like, okay, well, then you have to let him do it. You can't have it both ways. So how how do you do that? Like I've 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 tried to do this somewhat successfully. Like I was dating a guy earlier this year and I found I was kind of calling the shots and initiating a lot of the dates. And then uh, I was actually chatting with Monique about it. And she said, yeah, you just have to, you just have to train him. Like just, you need to stop asking him out and then give him lots of rewards when he does just like you'd train a dog. And like, what, what do you suggest? Like how, how do you do that? If you have, for example, got into the habit of being the initiator. So that's been the role that, that you've kind of carved out, let's say in the early stages of dating and you want to reverse that. What do you do? Hmm. Well, I, I think that depends a little bit on how much intimacy and trust, you know, that you have with the man. Um, if you're if you're close enough, you know, like it sounds like if it's someone that you've been dating for a little while that you're able to kind of define, well, there was the early stage of our relationship and there was a pattern, you know, that was put into place. That kind of suggests to me that there's at least a certain amount of depth, you know, um, and history with the relationship. And, you know, so one way to do it is actually just to be very transparent about it, because really this is about getting closer. And so you can actually just in psychology, what we call narrate your experience and just say, you know, Joe, I just wanted to let you know, you know, I've been thinking about stuff and I, you know, invite you out and ask you out. And, you know, I know that like I took that on, like you didn't tell me to do that, you know, but I've kind of come to realize that like, I actually feel more feminine when, when you ask me and when you like, you know, kind of come after me, like in a little bit more of a traditional way, like it actually, I've come to realize it makes me feel more feminine. And so I just wanted to put that out there and let you know, I'm going to be hanging back a little bit. And it's not at all because I've cooled off or don't have interest in you. It's actually because I'm 
discovering like it actually feels more exciting to me when you ask me out. And so that way, you know, you're taking responsibility for your role in the situation. You know, you're not accusing him of having done anything wrong. Um, and then you're also actually framing it in terms of how you like to feel more feminine and you're telling him how, you know, that's happening for you. Most men actually kind of like the idea of women talking about how they feel more feminine. <laughs> so that would be one way to do it. Mm, I like that. That's, uh, that's, that's a good strategy. Something else that you've written about is keeping your dates short, which I found interesting advice. Can you talk a little bit about how short we should be keeping our dates and I guess what we should be doing with that time? Like what are the key questions that we need to ask to build up, you know, a pretty quick picture of who this person is? Yeah. So rule one is briefly done. <laughs> um, so in the Ten Commandments of Dating, rule one, briefly done. And it is about keeping your first dates short. So and just as a caveat, you know, and I mentioned this in the book as well, that these these rules are, are really just guidelines um, and they're guidelines that would support somebody that was trying to get into a steady, exclusive relationship, you know, that was you know, potentially headed for either marriage or, or long-term relationship. And so there's, there's nothing wrong with going on a first date and having it be like a five-hour marathon date or even an all-night date or, you know, whatever suits you. But in my experience personally, as well as as a psychologist, when people go on those first long dates, they end up getting really bonded to people, really sometimes more just through the excitement of the date before they've actually really gotten to know the person. And they also haven't learned how that person is going to follow up with them. So again, a lot of women really like the man to be the person to follow up after the date and ask them out again and all this stuff. And they end up feeling really upset and disappointed when they have a very long date with somebody and it felt amazing and it felt magical. And then like, a you know, Four days later, he texts something really casual, like, what's up? What are you doing this weekend? And they're like, oh, you know, and so the, the only way to avoid that is to make your first dates brief and then see how he follows up, because that's also really important information. So I would say the first dates personally, I would keep them like 60 to 90 minutes, um, because all you're really doing is having a first impression with somebody and then seeing if their post-date behavior matches that first impression. So, you know, during that first date, I don't think there's really any super key questions to ask necessarily. I, I guess it depends a little bit on like, you know, how you met and things like that. But I think you're really more gauging for nonverbal signals, you know, like you're noticing, does the person show up on time? Do they look like they put any effort into getting themselves ready for the date? Are they polite to you? Are they polite to the staff? Do they see you home towards the end of the date or do they get you a cab or do they kind of, you know, drift away? Um, and then after the date, you know, again, do they follow up with a nice message saying it was great? It was great meeting you. I'd like to see you again. Or do they kind of leave you hanging and feeling confused? I don't think it's really at least, you know, hopefully before you're even going on the date, you're having some idea 
you know, of what the person is looking for if you met on a dating app or something like that. So on the first date, I wouldn't really feel like I needed to grill the person as much as I would just be looking at their behavior. Mm, okay. And I, like, I'm, I'm just imagining like a first date in a restaurant, which right now in Melbourne, we're in stage four lockdown feels like uh, a little bit of a fantasy. Uh, and you're in New York. And um, obviously, that's been pretty intense over there. I want to know how how has COVID changed dating? And like, what should we be doing differently? What do we need to be doing differently other than obeying the rules that our governments are setting? Yeah. So I have to warn you, I'm almost like a militant optimist. I'll find the silver linings in anything. Um, so, but, but with that said, I actually think that COVID has helped people with dating in my practice. Anyway, one of the silver linings is that people now have, it's kind of the norm that when you connect with somebody on a dating app that you might say like, Hey, like, you know, since going out now, you know, is such an ordeal, you know, could we meet for like five or 10 minutes on Zoom first, just to say hi, you know, and then like, if we just get along on a brief hello, you know, then then we'll then we'll meet up in person. Um, And I actually think it's a nice screening device, because many people say that they get on that first date, and they can tell within like five minutes that the person is not for them. But then they've already put all this effort into getting there, getting ready, getting home, like all this stuff. And so now COVID is actually giving us a really nice option to just do it like a five minute video pre-screen. If the potential partner passes the pre-screen, let's say, like how how do you recommend things then progress, particularly you know, if in the in the real world it's all kind of socially distant, do you recommend just doing lots of Zoom calls or like what what's what have you found works? Well, you know, everyone's different, but you know, here in New York, for example, the restaurants are open for outdoor dining. So, you know, people can meet for a drink outside, um, you know, or they can go for a walk. Um you know, Zoom is 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 fine. I mean, I think it depends. Again, each person is different. I have clients that are absolutely fine meeting with somebody, you know, for that first five minute call. And then, you know, even after that, you know, they're like, well, I'm sorry, you know, just, you know, total lockdown. Like, do you want to have like a, a you know, video drink state or something? You know, some people are doing that. But more often, you know, I find that people feel like they really want to have that in-person meeting to like figure out if they have chemistry with the person and that they feel like they can't tell that over video. I'm kind of agnostic in that regard. Like I, I, I personally think people can establish, you know, strong relationships and even kind of start to develop attraction, like even just through meeting on video, you know, anyone who's ever like watched a movie with Brad Pitt, right. As proof of that, like you, you, you can definitely have an attraction to somebody that you're seeing on a video screen. But other people just really feel the need to meet in person. And I think that's fine too. Okay, fantastic. And look, we're we're just about out of time. So my final question for you is, Dr. Chloe, how can people find out more about you and consume more of the things that you're putting out into the world? Uh, Well, thank you so much for asking. Um, They can definitely go to drchloe.com slash dating. That's D-R-C-H-L-O-E.com slash dating. And there's like videos and books and Facebook groups and all kinds of fun stuff there. 
Fantastic. Awesome. Well, I've loved chatting. I've learned so much. So thank you so much for your time and um, have an awesome afternoon in New York. It was my pleasure. Thanks so much. So, Amantha, tell me, what was your biggest take home from your Dr. Chloe interview? Yeah, the thing that stood out for me is around the daydreaming. So, I like if I go on a good date, I will definitely daydream. Um, I will think about that person after the date. And I realized after talking to Dr. Chloe that that is a really unhelpful thing to do because if they're not daydreaming about me, I'm suddenly progressing the relationship in inverted commas to where it is simply not. Um, And so I've really been trying hard to not daydream about people that I've been on good dates with thanks to Dr. Chloe, which I think is really helping. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, like if you're thinking about somebody, you're obviously not being present with what is and you're actually trying to create something that doesn't yet exist and that that probably isn't going to serve anyone. So that is a good tip. Yeah, and you know what I recognised in myself is that sometimes I will have fake conversations in my head with the other person, which sounds really stupid but maybe listeners can relate, and then very occasionally I'll be like, did I actually have that conversation in real life? But then I can't really ask that because that's just awkward. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, that's that's a, a particularly good tip for you. Have you ever had that happen to you? I wouldn't say I go to the point where I then question whether that conversation <laughs> is real. Um, I do, obviously, we when we have a good experience amidst so many bad ones, we obviously do romanticise and project forward by daydreaming. But... And I do imagine scenarios that are yet to exist, but I don't then look back on that and say, was that real? <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. I'm like constructing false memories. That's so counterproductive. Yeah, I wasn't going to actually say it, but yeah, that's what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so no daydreaming for me from this point onwards. That is it for today's show. If you have enjoyed How to Date, why not share it with other people that you think could benefit from some of the advice that we are offering. And if you enjoyed this episode, we would love to get your feedback. Please leave us a review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listened to this show from. And we will see you next time. See you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 